0: Acts chapter 2, how many of you are uh, glad that you're a part of a church? There are so many believers out there today that have been offended or, you know, have unforgiveness in their heart towards the preacher or some other member of the body, and they just gave up on church. We all go through difficult times in our lives. Amen? And a lot of that, you know, we blame the devil, but a lot of that we get, we get ourselves in trouble. But we need the church you know, I, I I just need the church so somebody will marry me and bury me. You laugh, but that's the attitude of many believers. You know, they'll they'll show up to church, and if they've got the church has something to offer them, then they get mad because they didn't get what they received. You need a preacher. And the preacher needs a body of believers that are willing and obedient, that want God, want his kingdom to be advanced. And that's what we've been talking about is the importance of the local church and what principles it takes for a church to thrive and to be blessed and to grow. And in Acts chapter 2, and this has been the scripture that we've read for a number of weeks, and I want to begin here. And I want you to see because, you know, we've gone through some of these things individually and now we've kind of, we're centering in on what this church body is like. What the vision of this church and this preacher is. We're becoming more specific. And yes, you know, as I read these things, all these things are necessary. They were necessary for the early church, but they're necessary today. For any church body. It says in verse 42, well, let's start with verse 40. It says, with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. See, you've got to gladly receive the word. You can't just be indifferent and apathetic about the word of God daily and weekly you have to treasure the word of god it has to become real to you more than you know your necessary natural food every day it says they gladly received his word and the word and were baptized and that day about 3000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine are the teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were what? Together. That's why you've got to have a local church. That's why you've got to come together weekly so we can encourage each other. Some weeks, some of you will be down, some of you will be up. So those that are down need to be encouraged by those that are up. They were together and they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, what? Daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with The people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, I love that passage of Scripture because that gives you a a good account of what the early church was like. You know, I I wonder what the apostles, you know, if if they were here today on earth, what would they think of the local church? (laughs) Peter, Paul, and, you know... And Mary, yeah. What would they think? If they were to enter through Harvest Church's doors, the 12 apostles, and sat down in the back row and looked at some of us and watched us, how we responded and how we worshiped and how we gave of our, of, of our finances, how we interacted with each other. Wonder what they'd think. Probably let's go back to the beginning, huh? You yeah, know, I, I believe God is a God of mercy and grace and, and the early church started with the bang, and I tell you this church today, the of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going out with a bang too. But there's some things that are out of order, and it's important that we get things in order for the days ahead. And divine order begins with your home. Divine order begins with your marriage. Divine order begins with what you do with your money. Divine order begins with your attitude and my attitude. How we respond to each other. Boy, somebody is not happy back there. But we need order again in the church. See, that baby's crying. And the thing is, that's prophetic because most of the church today are little babies. Never decided to grow up. And mature in the things of God. They just stay the same. Don't want anybody to ruffle their feathers. Don't trouble the waters. Let's just, let's just stay where we're at and, and the way we are, and, and nobody will pay any attention to us, and we'll just get through life. The early church, they just didn't get through life, they gave it away and it transformed everyone that came into their pathway. I saw a billboard this week when I was out of town. In fact, I saw it two or three times, Ron Elbin. It was they were looking for marines. Ron was a marine. Here's what the billboard say. I pulled over to the side of the road and I wrote it down. We don't accept applications, only commitments. An old grizzled warrior on the billboard looked real sharp, but he was, he was a mature one. He says, we don't accept applications, only commitments. And see, today the church doesn't care as long as you come through the door they can write you down saying you've been there so the roster looks good. And you lead the same way that you came in. But the church today, see, we're, we shouldn't be taking applications or memberships. We should be looking for committed warriors. This is a Mike Key sermon. We should be expect you know, Expecting people to be committed. There are so many pastors out there today that are burned out because they had run a babysitting service for years. One over here gets mad with this one and that, vice versa. And then there's strife and there's trouble. and They're, they're trying to clean things up and, uh, you know, smooth everything over. You can't can't build a church and and advance the kingdom of God if you're just putting out fires, if you're trying to pump everybody up. See, I really believe the, the apostles today, if they walked the earth, they'd go into some of these stadiums that are full of people. But yet they're not committed believers yeah, they want to put their application in, but they don't want to get committed when the preacher says get to church, when the preacher says put your tithe and your offering in the, in the offering plate. Would you come and help us pick up trash? If You can't even get committed to come pick up some garbage once every three, four months. How can you think you're going to do anything big for the body of Christ? I don't think I want any more commitment sermons. He's going to make me cry. See, the Harvest Church and what we've had night, out on the board, and, and that's been a, a, a mission statement for years, and I, I wanted it back up because I wanted people to begin to see it and read it. And it says this, Committed to what? Serving and sharing Jesus Christ. So there are three things about this church that distinguishes it from any other church in town. We preach and expect commitment. We don't want an application. We want you to become wise, spiritually growing, committed believers. We want you to be committed to what? To serving. Serving God serving each other, and then sharing what? Sharing, giving of ourselves, giving of our money, giving of our time, sharing the message of the gospel. Commitment means this, and I gave it to you a couple weeks ago, dedication to a long-term course of action. Being dedicated. So if you're committed, you're in it for the long haul. If you're a born-again believer filled with the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're not just in it for a day or a week or a month or a year. You and I are in it for the long haul. We're in it for eternity. The early church, they... one. One translation says they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The life together, the common meal and prayer. So they were committed to, the, to teaching. They were committed to a life together. A lot of Christians can't even get along with their next door neighbor. <laughs> but we need to commit, be committed to a life together. Together, everyone say together. We need to be committed to a, a, the common meal or the Lord's Supper. We need to be committed to prayer. Let's let me go on, let's talk about commitment just a little bit. We won't get through all this today. But here's some requirements. If if you and I are going to be committed believers, then there's some characteristics, and my goodness, I could give you a bunch of them, but I'm only going to give you a few. If you're going to be a committed believer, then there, there must be a total surrender of your will to God's plan, to God's purpose. If you're going to be and if I'm going to be a committed believer, then there has to be a surrender of your will. When I was young and I gave my life to Christ, I surrendered my will. Now, that doesn't mean there were days I didn't feel like I'd surrendered my will. We all have days, don't we? But when I surrendered my will, even before I met her... I surrendered for the long haul. I surrendered forever. And, And that's the thing. Most believers today, you know, they haven't totally surrendered their will. Look at John 9, would you please, John chapter 9. The greatest example of anyone that surrendered his will was Jesus. Jesus. And I'm going to give you some scriptures. You say, boy, pastor, why are you preaching on commitment? I guess I'm not the only one. She said the preacher in carnal is preaching on commitment in regards to marriage. See, we need to be stirred up again. We need to be, somebody give that kid a bottle. We need to, is that one of yours? (laughs) Better here than at home. (laughs) Look at this scripture in John chapter 9. Jesus said this. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. I must. That's pretty strong language. Here's another translation. For me, Jesus is saying, there is no option. For what is before me is certainly compulsory. I was sent specifically for this mission And this moment, and I will answer to the one who sent me regarding how I carry out this assignment. Therefore, I must give myself completely to the task before me and do it enthusiastically and passionately. I like that. So, Jesus... Said and this is what what struck me, and I want you to to I want to re- reiterate this and give this to you again. and You need to understand this. Jesus said, "I will answer to the one who sent me regarding how I carry out this assignment." Does that mean you're going to have to answer? Yeah. I some of you just point to preachers. And one's got to answer. He's, he's got an answer for what God told him. Yes, I will have a, a more stricter judgment than you. But you still are going to have to answer. I, I'm reading a book right now about people that died and what happened to them after they died and they came back. and A lot of them said this, and I thought this was interesting. Yeah, they all talk about a light. But a lot of them said their life flashed before their eyes. Everything that occurred in their life, what they did was like a motion picture. Good and bad. And I thought to myself, boy, that that happens to me. I don't want it all to be bad. But see, you and I will be judged for what we do and don't do in this life right now. We will be judged for how we treat others and how we interact and what we've done and what we haven't done. Amen? You say, boy, this is a kind of a downer. No, this is just, I'm just telling you the way it is. It's, some of you may maybe will leave today and say, I don't know if I want to be committed. Well, you can't say I didn't tell you. Jesus Christ was committed to a cross. He was committed to God's plans and purposes. He says, there is no other option. How many of us can say, whatever God's called us to do, there's no other option. What is before me is certain compulsory I was sent specifically for this mission and this moment, and I will answer to the one who sent me regarding how I carry out my assignment. Therefore, I must give myself completely to the task before me and do it enthusiastically and do it passionately. Passionately. We should be passionate believers I'm passionate this morning, what I'm preaching. Or would you rather have me just be wimpy? I don't care really what you think. I just want you to be happy. I'm passionate. There's a few things in this life, not many things I'm passionate about. We don't need to be a passionate about a lot of things, but we certainly need to be Passionate about our relationship with God every day. We need to be passionate, you know, whatever vocation, whatever we're called to do in this life, be passionate about it. Micah, if you're going to be passionate about guns, be, know everything you can about them. God evidently put that in you. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to be a nurse, then you be the best nurse you can be, and be passionate about it. She just tell tells us stories. I kind of felt sorry for myself being a preacher. I'm not a registered nurse. She comes back with stories about a six hundred pound woman that they have to take care of. Then she tells a story about somebody that should have been that's you know psychotic and and Takes his pole with his IV on it and waves it around and his beat up nurses and so I don't. When I feel sorry for myself, I'll remember what you do every day. But if you're going to be passionate, be passionate about it. If you're going to be a worship leader, be passionate about it. That's part of being committed. Find out, young people, what are you passionate about. That's where your vocation probably lies, is what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about history and antiques. I like that stuff. Dean's passionate about a certain kind of a watch, he can tell you everything there is about it. But, but don't be a deadbeat. stages you've been a lawyer your whole life and you stuck with it some days were you passionate no well i don't know what i'm passionate about well then find out if it's kids be passionate about kids if it's coaching be passionate about coaching but see that's that's the thing too many believers today there's no passion If you're going to be a mechanic, be the best mechanic there is. I refer all kinds of people to you because I trust you. You're an honest mechanic. Be passionate about taxidermy. I know you are. If it it ain't done right, the boys don't, Kevin doesn't do it, you're going to remind him. But he's good at what he does. Be passionate. If you're going to drive a truck, then be the best truck driver there is. If you're going to have a daycare, be the, every time those parents come through, they're all screwed up, messed up. Just bless God, the presence of God gets on them. We need to be passionate. Harvest Church, you need to be more passionate about your God and the relationship that you have with him daily and your fellowship. You you and I need to be more passionate in our worship. L- listen, you're not alone. There are days that I come and my I'm physically I don't feel good and I'm tired. But I have to stir up the passion in me. I have to present my body a living sacrifice, the man on the inside. Everyone say, I need to be more passionate. Look at John 4. Look at John chapter 4. Was Jesus passionate? Oh, yes, he was. John 4, verse 34, it says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, every time he talked about food about bread, about this and that, his apostles are thinking, What are we going to eat? I'm hungry. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, harvest church, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together For in the the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap, Harvest Church, that for which you've not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. The salvation of sinners is the will of God, and Jesus surrendered his will to this. So you and I... We at Harvest Church, well, people say, well, what kind of church are you? And most of the answer is we're non-denominational. It's never, we're born again spirit-filled believers. We speak in other tongues. We, signs and wonders follow us. We're, we're not wishy-washy about the Word of God. We believe it and we act on it daily. We really enjoy teaching. We enjoy the Word of God. We come to receive it and then we go out, out, go out and do it. And signs and wonders follow us wherever we go. What kind of church do you go to? But no, the answer is, and I've done this, Steve, what kind of church do you pass? Oh, non-denominational. That means, well, just anybody else. Can, everybody from all walks of life can come here and be happy and get along. Where are the believers that just say it the way it is? You know, if more people were like our president in the body of Christ in the church... There would no, there'd be no misunderstanding. There would be no confusion. You would know where you stood or you'd be fired. Problem is, I can't fire you. <laughs> I've fired a couple families through the years. In other words, I told them, don't come back. You're a troublemaker. Why can't I do that? Because I'm committed and I'm passionate. I want to keep things. I want to steal waters because sheep can't feed when the waters are troubled. They feed when the waters are still. Look at John 5 verse 30. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. That's good for all of us. I of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. How many believers today are seeking after their own will? How many born again believers are out there that are doing what they want to do and they don't even Get alone with God and ask the Father, Father, what do you think I should do? Where do you think I should go? Is this the job I should take? Is this the one I should marry? But no, many believers, they just have tunnel vision and they're going to do whatever they want. Kenny, make sure you ask the Father for the one that you are to hook up with for the rest of your life. Your mom's smiling. (laughs) Amen? Not my will, Father, but your will be done. You know what? Where would we be without his mercy? I wouldn't be here today without his mercy. You wouldn't be here today without his mercy. Because I tell you what, we all make mistakes, and you know, he still loves us. He picks us up. He dusts us off. And he says, okay, get back into it again. But let's get it right this time. That's our God. Look at John six thirty-eight, And I'll quit with this. Isn't that funny? I did this the same last time. I quit at the same place last time. <laughs> I guess you need to hear the same thing for a few weeks in a row. John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven. How many times did Jesus repeat himself? Huh? Over and over and over and over. And his disciples are going, when are we going to eat? Is there a ham in the oven? Over and over. And over, and you know, the Lord Jesus looked at him and inside he's gone, oh my goodness. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Well, what's the Father's will? People say, What's the will of God for my life? This is the will of the Father who sent me that all of that all of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day and this is the will and he's spelling it out this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day black and white isn't it bottom line isn't it The will of the Father, Jesus had committed his life and his will to the Father. What was to the the will of the Father? The will of the Father was a harvest of souls. The will of the Father was getting people into the kingdom. The will of the Father was out there spreading the gospel. So we at Harvest Church are committed to the will of the Father, which is serving and sharing Jesus Christ. I didn't get off. There's some other things in about commitment, and maybe next week I'll do myself a favor and start with point B instead of point A again. But there's not a member here, there's not anybody here today that could be more committed, including me. Let's stand to our feet.